Hello and welcome. Author Chrissy Perry joins Ian and Luke in the latest episode. Chrissy is the author of more than 35 books for children and young adults and has been published in 12 countries. In the episode, they talk about reading for pleasure, as well as chatting about Big Little Lies, Fuller House, and more. For the topic, they talk about the changing face of children's fiction. Let's listen in. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Laking, and uh, with me this week is my co-host, Luke Manley. Luke, how are you? I feel insulted. You didn't give me one of those uh, classic pun entrances. I know. Sorry. It's, um, it's hardly uh, worthy of what Joel would normally do, uh, our, regular co- <laughs> our regular host. So um, I can't even think of anything. It was a very lukewarm uh, start to oh, the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back. All right. Yeah, I'll get it. You like that? That's <laughs> all right. It. You've had an okay week so far? Yeah, it's been all right. Yeah. He's get busy. I mean, you know, it's a happy new year and all to everyone who's in Australia. Yes, happy How many other countries have the new financial year in this month probably quite a few yeah. i mean you know i am um, i'm all i'm all aware of it we had a very busy lead up to it at my work so <laughs> go figure yes financial year about as thrilling as the regular new year without the fireworks or interest i didn't even realize it was the end of financial <laughs> yeah. year you know what that's a great position to be in uh and that mm. that voice our wonderful guest this week chrissy perry hello chrissy how are you hi Anne. hi luke good, good to have you with us good. yep thanks Thank for you. coming uh, all the way down here have you had a, have a good week so far I've had a very relaxing week because I'm mm. sort of on holidays. Ah, right. Mm. So school holidays are a good time for you? School holidays are pretty cruisy for me and I'm not actually writing anything actively at the moment. I'm having a little break, so it's been very pleasant. Ah. Do you find, mm. I mean, I, I find time between projects can be quite, it's, it's that thing, that compulsion sometimes to write. Have you found that you've got that particularly or are you just really enjoying the time out at the moment? I am just really enjoying the time out, <laughs> but I am deconstructing other people's books. Right. But that feels more like fun to me than hard work, so, yeah, yeah. so I'm enjoying it. Yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah. man. And there's nothing like, I mean, they do say that there's sort of a, what was it? Um, oh, no, I'm absolutely forgetting the author's name. A local Melbourne author, I read a wonderful article that she wrote um, about uh, a kind of breaking. Um, and it was Ellie, I want to say Ellie, anyway. I was a kind of breaking, she said. Where Not Varenti. Hmm? Not Ellie Varenti. No, I'm forgetting. Anyway, mm. yeah. but she, uh, the, the author was saying that uh, when you start writing, there's a kind of breaking to your experience of literature in that you no longer can 100% look at it as a reader. There's always something <sighs> in there that your writer's perspective brings in. Do you think that's true, Rosie? Um, well, I read a lot, so I yeah. have a lot of practice of not being a writer. And I actually, I'm doing this very purposefully, deconstructing oh, yeah. somebody else's text. Mm. So, no, normally I just read as a reader. That's good. But mm. if I think something's really special or very well done, mm. I, then I might go back and say, now, how did they technically do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I found it slightly different. I uh, mm. was a writer not too long after I became a reader. Mm. But um, it was after I started taking writing more seriously when did a writing course and started analysing a bit more thoroughly. Then yeah. I started being unable to read anything without saying, uh-oh. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I wonder if it's yeah. spits and spurts as well. Like there are certain times of life when you find yourself really analysing things and getting down into the detail. Yeah. Um, it did I- also, yeah, it, it's also like what you're reading. So mm. like... Uh, <laughs> I went through the Aragon series before I started yep, right. the course, and mm-hmm. then I was trying to pick up the last book, which had come out when I was in the middle of my course. Yep. Like, oh. What <laughs> about, Luke, if you're reading something that's completely unrelated to the way that you like to write? Mm. Out of the fantasy. Out so of the- it's completely out of your genre. Would you still have your um, writer's hat on? Yes. You still do? Yeah, yeah, because okay. I'm, I'm quite pedantic. So when oh, it comes right. to grammar, I'll be like, oh, yeah, it could have been changed there. Or, yep. Um, 
I like, this is an interesting thing that I picked up when I was studying it. It was, I like to see words written how they would sound. Mm-hmm. Like sentences written how they would sound. Yeah. Okay. So um, I kind of read it aloud to myself in my head while I'm reading something. Okay. And I also tend to listen to audio books as well. So it's like, right. I, I, yeah. I like the, the way something sounds. So if it doesn't sound that great to me, I kind of get bored. Right. Right. So, um, so is it more of a personality thing, more of a thing that you, probably, you, you, yeah. your personal like for things <laughs> has been really reinforced by the writing experience, maybe? Something like that, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I gelled onto that concept of writing what you hear. Right. And then I embellished it for myself Yep. so that I always write how something sounds. Yeah. And it's sort of... I don't know. It's it's mm. made my it's reading a bit of a shame experience. It takes trickier, the reading yeah. reading for pleasure out of your mm. life a little. Mm. I, it also takes watching films. Oh really? Shows. No. Well, no. less so in that regard. It's more so that I don't like formulas. Oh, okay, right. So if it's too formulaic, yeah. if it's formulaic, I yeah. just start disappearing. Do you enjoy sitcoms then? Because you know that's literally like the formula is you know that the one time failure, second time succeed kind of. It more depends on how well they're presenting the material because okay. a sitcom is yeah. a little bit different to uh like uh just a film because like tv shows you know there's a formula every time yep but it's how well they present it mm. whereas you see a whole movie where it's like step 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 yeah. like i've seen that again right heroes heroes <laughs> journey exactly not what's happening not here skies, maybe. yeah yeah I, I found for me that um books like uh, it was robert mckee's story that i really enjoy kind of getting into and and, tr- and you know his his perspective on things really for me, I guess it's enhanced my enjoyment of things because I can appreciate what's been done when mm. I look at something and I go back and say, okay, I really love how they you know, did this or, or mm. you know, the way they built the tension here. And sometimes it helps to be able to identify where things are wrong as well. You're saying, well, the beats are wrong. You know, the scene doesn't go anywhere. You can kind of begin to get a bit of a sense of why something bugs you maybe. Yeah. Mm. yeah well, that mm. is, I find it really interesting how other people um, sort of deal with that. Mm. I have always loved reading, so yeah. I, I definitely don't want that to happen to me. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to. I want to have um, books that I read just for pleasure. Mm. Yep. So maybe I've been actually sort of subconsciously trying to make sure that that stays the case. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's good if you can keep that. It's yeah. fantastic. I love it. Now you mentioned as well. You've been reading a long time. What was? What do you think is the first book that you really loved, Chrissy, when you were starting out reading? Is there a childhood book that you keep, yeah. you keep coming back to? Well, my mum used to read us a lot of um, A.A. Mill. Yeah, so great. Mm. I was very obsessed with the poems from uh, when we were very young and now we are six. And, Uh, of course, Winnie the Pooh and all that sort of stuff. George, Um, George, Morrison, Morrison, whether it be George Dupree. Took great care of his mother, though he was only three. Three, yes, that's it. I've quoted that before to someone and they just looked at me like blankly and I'm like, oh. Oh, I love that. I love that poem so much. Yeah. Yeah. um, And everything about that, isn't it? Fantastic. I've been fascinated as well you know we've got a, a 14 month old now and coming back to some of the stories that are still just as popular and i still find these stories i'm like oh that's still popular now i found yeah. um i remember finding the um the true story of the three little pigs where the wolf tells his perspective which was a book that came out when i was a child <laughs> did it and i think it came out then. And now there's a lauren child version oh, really? i think oh. yeah like the, the the big bad wolf who's actually kind of sweet and yep 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 well, it's really interesting. I just, when I saw it in the bookshop, I instantly recognised it. I mean, this is what's fascinating about children's books as well as the art. It just mm. it captures you and you, it's, yeah. it's so iconic often, these books, which, which last. And you're like, oh, wow. So, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely impressed by the books that are still there. So A.A. Milne, we actually got given a selection of A.A. Milne stories as well. So well, really they, do, they date very well. Yeah. 
They're, yeah. so, they're really beautiful. I read them to my kids and mm. hopefully they will read them to, to theirs as well. Yeah. It's very mm. generational in my family, the love of A.A. Milne. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's good. I, um, I always found it very confusing because AA, we had a teacher at school called Mrs. Milne. Always confused <laughs> me. From the time I was six, you know, even though I was only three. Anyway, no, it's good. Um, so <coughs> moving on to uh, what we've been watching uh, yes. this week or reading or whatever. Um, so uh, maybe we'll start with Chrissy. Is there anything that you've been watching or reading that sticks um, out in your mind recently? Well, I've been watching Perpetual Grace on Netflix. Mm, haven't seen it. And it's mm-hmm. um, Jackie Weaver, okay, our own yeah. Jackie Weaver mm-hmm. and Ben Kingsley star oh. in it. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting series. It's, it's not very plot driven, I wouldn't yep. think, but um, it's very experimental mm. and the language is like poetry and the film techniques are very yeah, right. interesting. Mm-hmm. And I I'm actually really loving it. Yeah. Just sort of cherishing the experience of each episode rather than wanting the next one to come, mm. right. which is unusual. And I'm watching Big Little Lies series two. Oh, very good. My, my wife is watching that. It's yeah. not so much my thing, but yeah, how, how, what are your thoughts so far? I think it's falling a little flat, yeah. series two, but it wasn't written by Leanne Moriarty, so I think that might be a little problematic, personally. But difficult, isn't it? Mm. How about yeah. Meryl Streep? I was, I think... Well, she's fantastic. She can she can't put a foot wrong. So good. Yeah. <laughs> just, she, yeah. And she's a terrible character, which is awesome. You know. I know. It just. Mm. I, but it's just not quite as compelling as the first series. It's it's interesting, isn't it, when people go beyond the bounds of um of the written story? And yeah, I mean, that's right. I guess yeah. it's the same thing that was happening with Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, it was going beyond what had been written. And that fell very flat. Very flat, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. They, yeah. they really... I mean, they did the best they could. I always... My perspective on that was to try and treat it as an homage or whatever, you know, just sort of a parallel universe to what might happen. The last episode was a shocker, I think. Yeah, it d- definitely didn't... Um, it was the last three seasons of the writing just... Terrible. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, didn't... It was a real struggle, wasn't it? So, I mean, the question is, how do you make something really compelling? It... I don't think it damages an author's brand as such. It's just, it's hard to... It, it must have been really hard, I'm sure, for Leanne to, to give it up as well, to say, okay, yep, go for it. And I think know. she's still involved. Yeah. But, of course, you know, the book had it was finite. The book mm. had it finished. Mm. So yeah, right. to try to extend it out when you've lost the core of it, and I think, mm. for me, the core of it was the um, terrible relationship, the toxic relationship between Nicole Kis- Kidman yep. and her husband. Yes, and how that actually worked, which was very complex and it, and it was yeah. really interesting. But mm. now that that's gone and there's a lot of retrospective on that, I feel mm. like they're sort of grasping at straws a little. It can be a bit like, I once saw um, the uh, Love Never Dies or Paint Never Dries as the media called it, the um, sequel to Phantom of the Opera. Right. Um, when it came to Melbourne, uh, they tried to retool it and, and kick it off here. And I remember when watching it, uh, the best moments of it, unfortunately, were when they would play a motif from the original and you'd be like, oh, and then, oh, but they're not going to actually sing that song right. you know so all that you'd be reminded of what was fantastic about the original yeah. and then you'd go somewhere else and you're like ah, oh, okay it was yeah. still good but it just wasn't but having said that i'm really excited to t- to see um toy story 4 so right. that's definitely on my agenda yes i don't good. i think pixar are really good at doing sequels yeah particularly I'm, so well it's, it's interesting actually yeah, I, I watched um coco recently and that was um that was fantastic so new kind of ip right. i believe they've said they're not going to do more sequels after that's going to focus on original stories so after Toy Story mm. 4 I think there's one other sequel coming right but yeah it's interesting to see where they go with that because for me the ending of Toy Story 3 was just incredibly poignant you know it's mm. very hard not to cry it's, it's beautiful you know? uh, Pixar really nail it 
I reckon. Yes, that, um, they drive a plot well. So, yeah, yeah interesting to see how that goes. That, it's out soon, is it? It can't be far. It's out now. So I'm seeing it tomorrow with oh. my 20-year-old son because okay. he, loves, he <laughs> loves Pixar as well. I know. Well, yeah. that's going to be great. Well, I hope you really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I, am, I am looking forward to Stranger Things 3, uh, which is very soon, I think. Um, right. Just to see how that goes, yep. a third season of that. Didn't they struggle with season two? I haven't seen it. it it's a, so I only watched the first season. I'm not sure about the next one. Part of the problem is uh, when you have a um, uh, the escalating monster kind of thing. So when you show the monster, mm. you find out what it is. The next monster has to be bigger and better. Mm. And that's often a real stretch for, for shows. And it, they find themselves really yeah. trying to get something bigger and better, better and more gratuitous. And it's the anime issue. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The next yeah. enemy has to be bigger and bigger, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of an interesting one. I, I'm interested to see how it goes anyway because I, I enjoy the aesthetic they go for any, regardless. Do you think they had the story arc um, designed to do a Series 3 or are they just tacking it on at the end? <clears throat> it, it really felt like Season 1 was enough and the way they ended it with yeah. enough questions that you felt um, you didn't have to kind of continue. It didn't feel like it had to continue. Yeah. So, mm. look... It is what it is. I'm. I guess we'll see. Um, yeah. Season two was good. It was one episode which just was completely out of the blue and unexpected. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested. But talking about series that have ended, we did just finish rewatching Friends. Uh, you were saying before that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've been doing that um, on and off for a number of years. Actually, for our entire um, marriage, we've occasionally gone back to Friends and rewatched it, and we quite enjoy it. It's interesting because it still make you laugh. Oh yeah, and actually, I appreciate some of the writing. I think is fantastic. Uh, some of the storylines and and the punchlines yeah. are just fantastic. And in fact, I found myself thinking, I my, where I remember certain episodes being in the whole structure is is quite different. I know recently because um, it came onto Netflix recently, and that whole you know we we have a DVD box set from way back, but. Um, uh, on Netflix, a whole generation of young people got to discover Friends for the first time. Oh, my daughter loves Friends, and she's 23. So right. she, she's watched it all several times. She yep. could practically recite episodes. It's, it's re- yeah. it, A lot of it's really good, and the structure and, and how they play on things is, is excellent. Um, my wife was particularly, though, she's particularly annoyed this time with the ending. She really doesn't feel like... Um, I'm, I'm not even going to say spoilers, but she really doesn't feel like Rachel should have come back from Paris. She was like, just go to Paris. Oh, okay. Why are you giving this up? Right. Oh, well, it just always mm. seemed to be mm. on t- TV. It never seemed to finish for me. But That's right. Yeah, well, because yeah. they just start again. You'd be watching yeah. and then you mm. switch on a couple weeks later. Oh, it's back yeah. to the start. All right, then pick up there. <laughs> it's one of those, like The Simpsons. The Simpsons, though, isn't ending, to be fair. Um, yeah, so very interesting. And, like, some parts of it have dated well. Some parts of it, not so much. Like, there's especially some of the... Um, yeah, some, some jokes you wouldn't make these days. But generally, the whole thing has, has aged... Like, in terms of the, the pace and the way it's done really well it was sort of a perfect storm too because the actors are so ideal at mm. their roles they're yeah. all so very mm. good that's yeah. exactly it so yeah really enjoyed coming to a finish there and uh i guess we'll we'll move on to other things now back to brooklyn 99 i think is our next uh, yeah our next target oh, there's luke. a lot of choice these days <laughs> yeah definitely and luke anything on your agenda well you just reminded me of when the we're watching right now yeah um i was going to Mention something else. I might do that afterwards, but I'll just bring up briefly Full House. Oh, the original. Um, yeah, we watched the original, and now they have Fuller House. So it's the yep. reboot mm-hmm. with the same characters who've come down the line, which is fascinating. Mm. Because well, they're just older. Yeah, they're, oh. well, they're so some of like the, the the parents are now in other cities doing other other jobs, and right. sometimes they visit, but they still yeah they still come in mm. the same characters. They they play the same sort of humor when they come on for five minutes and. Um, right. It's fascinating. It's not quite as funny as the original, mm. but there's some of the charm there still. And you know, in the same house with some of the new, some of the same characters. Mm. Gee, there's uh, so, so much temptation yeah. to go retro all the time, isn't there? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like 
you know, all the stuff that we're talking about practically, except mm. for perpetual growth, mm. is um, sort of being redone. Yeah, that's mm. true. Yeah. It's, it's the, um, the whole problem that we have, I think, with modern cinema. Last year, I think I mentioned this last podcast, but um, uh, 2017, the only movie, I think, that was new IP that came out from Hollywood and blockbuster sense was Dunkirk. Um, everything else was uh, already was a remake or was a sequel. Uh, mm. Nothing else in terms of the blockbuster. So it's um, risk averse. Risk averse, but also people are going to see them. So I mean, yeah. to be fair with Marvel, like you know what you're going to get with the Marvel movies. So people will just yeah. you know walk in there, throw their money down, and it's fine. Marvel I, wasn't just a remake, was it? In 2018. Was it, sorry. Marvel didn't just have remakes 2018. No, but sequels or remakes. Ah, sorry, so sequels. Exist, right, existing right, right. IP. Dunkirk was just its own thing. Um, and mm. really, Christopher Nolan's one of the only people out there who can say, I've got an idea and they'll throw money at him and he kind of goes for it. Yeah. You know, there's not many people who can do that these days. But that, that's the thing, right? That's the, the mainstream studios and stuff. You've got to start going... I mean, people are probably getting more and more aware now that there's the small festivals with yeah. with independent movies and that's getting better and better. So yeah, well, this that'll is start sort of... Not making the mainstream stuff relevant but mm. it'll start giving a run for their money when they're like oh well, they don't want to just see another remake of batman again yeah yeah, yeah. batman well, begins again again <laughs> yeah batman. we've like, got well, so right. many platforms now too so yeah. we've got netflix and foxtel and stan and the whole <laughs> yeah. the whole gamut well everyone so, sh- so there should be more diversity really there yeah. probably is yeah. yeah than there used to be yeah i think there's more scope to because netflix the the philosophy really is to give things a go and there's more scope for that and that's why some of the reboots happen because you know um I don't know, where's Will and Grace, the reboot happening? I'm not sure what that was on. I know that's one reboot that I didn't... A lot of them came out in the like 90s reboots. You think, oh, okay, right, here we go. Yeah. But especially mm. Full House is one of those examples. Um, uh, Arrested Development. Um, I haven't actually seen season five. I haven't got around to it. Season four, which came out, was good, not great. Just didn't have quite the same snappiness. I love mm. Arrested Development, the original series. Right. It's just got the tone, the humour, um, the whole thing. It's just very clever. And it's the kind of thing I absolutely love. I, I stumbled across an episode once on a plane, and I was like, "How have I not watched this entire thing?" <laughs> I don't think I've watched it. Oh, Who's in it? Um, oh, Jason Bateman is the lead, oh, and um, oh, he's he's turning out some really good work Jason, these days. It too. is Jason Bateman, isn't it? I'm telling you, I'm um, right about that. I think it is. Justin, Jason Bateman. No, yeah, I'm and he's in a right. new series called about the drug family. They they oh. knit, uh, they go. He goes. He escapes with his wife because he's in trouble with the. Right. With a drug cartel. Ooh. No, I haven't heard that one. Okay, I will look that up. Mm. But it's yeah, Jason, it is Jason Bateman. Yeah. Um, and a great cast and just really strong. Um, if you like clever comedy, it, it where they start in an episode, they always loop around. Okay. And it just, it gets you. I, I, can, I could never quite pick where they were going to go. And then they bring something back and you're like, oh, that's fantastic. That's this thing mm. they mentioned very briefly at the start. Turns out to be the crux yeah. of the whole episode. Um, so yeah, I love that. For comedy writing for me, I always come back to that. Really? Okay, mm. I must yeah. have a look. Yeah. Something that I love. And, yeah. you know, that's one thing I love about planes. For me, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm on a plane, <laughs> I will take You'll a catch shot up. at something. You'll, You'll catch yeah. up on something that you would always meant to watch one day. Right. And yeah. I think there's nothing better than a plane to just give something a go. Absolutely. And I so totally agree. I, I yeah. think there's heaps of things that I've done. And one thing that Tiff and I did once when we were um, heading overseas, uh, my wife, uh, we, we watched Up Together on the plane. Um, oh. So we were both, you know, oh. dabbing our eyes after 10 minutes, thinking, what have we done to ourselves? We kind of synchronised yeah. it and like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. Um, <laughs> At the first five minutes, but you can cry. Exactly. We were yeah. like, what is this? So that was really good. But, you know, we always enjoy trying something a bit different. And um, That's Dreamworks, isn't it? That 
is it's Pixar. It's Pixar. It's Pixar. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So look, real, really fascinating stuff. Um, I'm glad to hear. So Luke, that, is, is that the only thing that you've kind of been? No, the other about? one we actually watched. Um, it's I, I watched it ages ago, mm. but my wife hadn't seen it. Was Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, <laughs> I like that. Such a funny right. film. Yeah. yeah. I've I've never actually watched it. It's yeah. actually uh, strangely enough, it's loosely based off the Odyssey. <laughs> Oh, and gosh. it's so f- interesting to see them try and thread these bits and pieces in. Yeah. To show these guys coming home, per se, from their uh, prison sentence. Yeah. Right. And they've escaped and they're trying to get get back to um, to where mm. uh, the main character's wife is about to marry someone else. And so you've right. got all these little threaded elements of the Odyssey story. Okay. It's, uh, well, what's his name? I <laughs> George so Clooney. Famous. George Clooney. Yeah. yeah right. And it's, it, the there's Coffee a lot man. of great music as well. Yeah. Really no, absolutely. It's, it's very funny. It's very if you haven't quirky. seen it, you've got to have mm. a look. No, yeah. um, I'll get on there. Yeah. yeah. Um, did, now, is the Odyssey thing obvious or did you, did you pick that up? Or it says it at the very start. Okay. So the, okay, <laughs> yeah. right. I, don't I had seen it before I and I didn't pick it up because you know, I was mm. just. I right, just it's just kind of in passing, is it? Yeah. Okay. That's fascinating, isn't it? That takes me back to classics in 1998 at high school, I think. I'm thinking, wow. Okay, so our brother, we're out there. So you enjoyed it on the second watch? Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It's very interesting. It's Coen Brothers, I think. So, oh right, yeah, and it. Uh, That's right. why it's quirky. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, quirky. Man. I was, I was almost like, it's not Tarantino, is it? No, right. it's not. No. It's not quite as like uh, deliberate as Tarantino. And violent. <laughs> and violent. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really hot and cold with the Coen Brothers. I just, I sometimes yeah. I love what they do. Yeah. I love Fargo, for example. I love Fargo. Um, and love the series. Mm. Oh, my God. Love the series. Yeah. Really excited. I think they're doing another one, so really excited for that. Um, but then some other ones that just don't, don't quite do it for me. It's that offbeat kind of thing yeah. where I think, oh, maybe, maybe. See, there's a new Coen Brothers one too on Netflix that I've seen, but I can't remember the title. That's yeah, right. Um, it's a series of short films. Oh, okay. Uh, pieced together. Yep. And some of them are very interesting. Mm. Now, that's an interesting okay. one because in terms of uh, new kind of media approaches, having some famous directors do a series of short films yeah. on a medium that's online that people can stream, yeah. yep. that's really that's really different. It is and different. To have that opportunity to see short films from someone, that's... Um, I see a segue coming. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you, you, you preempted my segue, but it is, it is fascinating, isn't it, to see a... Um, to have a chance to see something from directors like that, where previously you might have had to go to a film festival. Mm. To see yeah. Hmm. It's good. It's very good. I bet you not many people would get it get one of those things up though. Like you'd have to be a Coen Brothers or production or something. That's, it still yeah. doesn't have that broad appeal, I wouldn't think. But yeah, that's something I've really liked about Netflix. Like they do a lot of very average, forgettable stuff. But there's also yeah. um, what was that? Love, Sex and Machines, I think it was. Ro- Love, Sex and Robots. Yeah, yeah. Which is a bunch of small, independently done um, mm. cartoons. Yeah, and right. And they're all in this little collection that apparently everyone sees in different orders, which I hoped would be more relevant, but it's actually meaningless. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting because they're, they're all these different cartoons and some of them are fantastic. And you're like, I wouldn't have seen this otherwise, you know? Yeah. But Netflix has got a good name for itself. Mm. And yeah. it's, it's very nice to be so able to see these small that. things. Yeah. yeah. So good. And well, I know ev- every time... Yeah. Sorry. Every time I go to like a film festival mm. or something, I'm like, why isn't this accessible? Why can't we find this anywhere else? Mm. 
So you, you go and then you're like, well, that's fantastic. It won an award. Where is it? Yeah. <laughs> I want to watch it again. <laughs> that, is a, that is a difficulty of, of streaming, I think, and something that we'll ha- we'll, someone will have to kind of figure out down the line is yeah, making sure yeah. there's accessibility to, I guess, the platforms that you're on hmm. make a difference. It's made a huge difference having music kind of centered hmm. in Spotify. For consumers, hmm. there are some difficulties for creators. Um, and, I mean, Amazon has done that for writers, uh, definitely... There are very strong opinions about Amazon, but it certainly has, uh, it's been good for readers. Mm. There's some difficulties for the publishing industry out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder what will happen for kind of online storytelling when it comes to movies and such I th- in that regard. I think the publishing industry needs to up its game, to be honest. Yeah. And that's what it's being forced to do. So that's good. It is It is very challenging. Yeah. And uh, thinking about new media, though, my segue that Luke called out earlier <laughs> is right there. Um, so having Chrissy uh, with us, we, we really appreciate your expertise. And so we thought it'd be good for us to talk about um, how new media is changing storytelling. Well, you touched on some of this last week when we were... Um, Last, uh, last podcast when we were uh, talking with about kind of gaming and so we went a bit more to that kind of aspect mm. um, yeah. but this time I thought it'd be good for us to talk about you know TV YouTube there's lots of methods of storytelling that are out there now and um, I thought it'd be good for us to talk about how that's changing storytelling is it changing storytelling especially from when we were younger um, and you know in terms of length or structure of stories do, do we see things evolving I thought that'd be good for us to kind of dive in there especially with regard to middle grade uh, young adult yeah. children's literature so uh, I guess my opening question to you Chrissy would be do, do you feel like there's been a big change in storytelling for younger people I uh, yes I do I think that especially in middle grade and junior fiction which yep. I've been focusing on in the last few years there's a real tendency to have a lot of word art, yeah, a right. lot of breaks in the text, um, maybe mm-hmm. bigger text, yep. uh, illustrations interspersed through the text. So it sort mm. of gives the reader a little bit of a rest, yeah. um, a little bit of respite, makes it a bit more enjoyable yep. than it may otherwise be because mm-hmm. you're dealing with a generation that's had sort of instant gratification. Yes. So they need um, little sort of layers of land I guess to pop onto yep. after the after the text mm. so that's changed a lot when I was a kid there was absolutely none of that in children's books it was just you know slabs of text followed by perhaps a couple of pages of pictures yep. so so that's really um I think that's a really great thing because mm. I think it encourages a love of reading um, I think kids are very much drawn to screens, though. I, was, yeah. I actually was sitting in a hairdresser's today and um, watching a little girl with her mm. sort of glued to the phone. Yes. What, I, I couldn't see what she was watching, but she was almost hypnotised. Yeah, yeah. So to me, that's a very different sort mm. of um, receipt of the storytelling experience. Mm. And it's not, it's not an active one. It's actually a little bit scary because we all know when we go onto our phones that we sort of zone out. Yeah. I think that's a very different experience to reading a book. Mm. I think you're actually plugging in when you read a book rather than zoning out. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. so it does sort of bother me a little bit when screen time is unlimited for kids. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's, it's a challenging one, isn't it? I mean, even with having a, a, a you know a toddler that we have, um, I see that the Lahonda screen anywhere there's a screen, it's just like wow! Suddenly you're captivated, and you can see the change in expression. You know, yeah. kind of arms go limp or whatever, just kind of staring. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's quite it's quite spooky to witness, and you think, gee, do I do that? But now yes. I'm more conscious. Of I myself. bet we do. Yeah. Yeah. We're just kind of not aware. You know, you kind of people get engrossed, yeah. and I, I suppose that for storytelling. Um, 
it's it's also been with YouTube personalities kind of uh, tell story. They they embellish stories, and so there's an aspect of verbal storytelling that happens these days from yeah. personalities just kind of sitting there doing um, uh, stories through YouTube, which is something that was never there when mm. I was younger. But also gets massive audiences. People yeah. telling stories that um, are just like their real life experiences, but kind of blown up. Uh, 10,000 times to sound like they might be much more than they are. And to make them appeal to even very small children too, so maybe a lot of colour and movement and perhaps songs or whatever. Yep. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing at all. I think mm. I think there's a lot of learning that happens in through those sort of interactions yep. as well. I just don't think it's a replacement for the paperback. Mm. Yes. I don't, th- I don't think they do the same job and I don't think they stimulate the same areas of the brain. Mm. So that's my biggest reservation. Yeah. What do you think? I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know the science behind the, the brain interactions. Nor with do I, those. have to say. Um, <laughs> I do know that when newspapers came out, people said, no, no, we should, or no, we should always keep this interaction and only people talk to each other. We shouldn't have these words on a right, paper. So okay. that was interesting True. too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know um, exactly where, the, where it yeah. lies. I know that there is a lot of hypnosis involved in some of it. And um, mm. I don't think I've ever noticed it for it myself because I'm very, very picky with what I look at and what I use on a screen. I'm yeah. very picky, so mm. I, I get bored very quickly if it's something that I'm not... If, I, if I'm just swiping, I'm like, what? I'm yeah. spending my time. What am I doing? I've got plenty yeah. of other things I can and want to do, so well, <laughs> I, I get pretty picky with that. When I was about, you know, when I was really getting into reading as a child, um, for me it was kind of... There was a step uh, that happened, and that was moving away from pictures to just solid text. And I, I remember that, you know, being very proud of myself for picking up a book. I think The Hobbit was the first book that I read which didn't have... Um, <laughs> pictures throughout it in, in this case uh, but with the Narnia books when I was reading them I remember that I really held out for the the illustrations of what was going of on of course because they were very beautiful too they, yeah they were they're really, really yeah. well done I mean that was a very special and the glossy pages and yep that's really right. beautiful it kind of in, in engaged you so we, we've always had an element of, of that visuals and also I still recall we had a beautifully illustrated wind in the willows yeah. Uh, mm. when I was a child mm. and I can still recall the illustrations of, to- of Toad and you know those adventures that he was having and those things stick in your mind and Snugglepot and Cuddlepie same yep, yep. Very, very similar sort of ilk Asterix and Obelix well, just back to that, mm-hmm. uh, that what you, you were saying about um, your own self-regulation mm. I guess with kids kids don't self-regulate mm. is my, course, is my yeah. major issue mm. yeah. so parents or adults have to step in and, and decide how much screen time is okay mm. That, I'd a, have to say I struggled that, with that with my own kids, absolutely. Because that was the era of PlayStation and computer gaming. And, yeah. and especially my boys were really into that and still are, yeah. actually. Yeah, for, yeah, I mean, that's the same for me. Like, I, I, if I'm using a screen, I pretty much want to be interacting with it. I don't want to just watch something and go past on it. Yeah. I can't generally sit and watch a video or a, or a show. I'm just like, I want to interact. Mm. <laughs> well, my 20-year-old would say to me, Mum, um, Final Fantasy, for instance, there's mm. a really strong narrative arc in Final mm. Fantasy. Yeah. You're dismissing it without actually understanding that mm. the, the arc is really strong. Mm. So it, it's just a different form. Mm. But that, to me, is more engaging than mm. this passive sort of zombie look at a screen and, yeah. you know. Well, that's mm. just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mentioning I, Final Fantasy, that was my, uh, when, in my teenage years was absolutely, those were the stories that I engaged with and I still love today and yeah. were a big influence on some of the stories that I've written actually as well. That, you know, they, um, they the, the I didn't realise, I've said this uh, in the previous episode, we talked about video games a lot and I, I did mention that for me, I kind of dived away from uh, from reading when I was a teenager, but I, what I didn't realise was I still craved stories, I still craved mm. compelling stories and yeah. I found those in video games, that's why role play, playing yeah, games really appealed 
to me. Mm. So um, there's one particular one called Secret of Evermore, which is about a boy who um, finds a machine and kind of it takes him away. The, the butler um, at this house causes this machine to explode and becomes the bad guy. And there's these different worlds and all the, the house servants are in these different worlds and you go and meet them. Right. And it was so compelling. The way that the world was drawn was very vivid. Uh, and it's a very, it was a very uh, strange uh, story behind it because the, um, the writer of the music, Jeremy Sole, went on to write the uh, music for one of the biggest games of all time. Um, Guild Wars 1? Hmm? Guild Wars 1? Guild Wars 1, yes, definitely Thank Guild you. Wars 1. But also, and Guild Wars uh, 2? Yes, yes, Guild Wars 2. And then <laughs> after that, he went on to write the music for Skyrim, um, which was mm. absolutely huge. And beautiful scores. But he yeah. started out with this compelling score. And I, the music stuck with me. Um, the whole world really captured me. And I remember playing it for, for hours, and it really drew mm. me in. And so I think those things actually do have a place... But the question is, we when you come out of it. So for me, I find I can't really these days when I play video games. I just don't have time for a game that doesn't have any story aspect to it. A game oh, where you okay. just kind so of that's go still important. It's still really important. Yeah. And I think that part yeah. of it's come back to the fact that I recognised what it was that I really loved about games, and that's the story. So again, it's yeah. it's about the quality of the product, mm. really, and yep. and whether you've got people working on those games that actually do understand story and storytelling really yeah. like, and how do how do you um how do you tell effective stories and and stories with real meaning and because sometimes it can be a real afterthought and this is what we were talking about last week that sometimes story in games can be a real afterthought but actually if you if you let it drive alongside a well-constructed game which people enjoy to play yeah it, it can be a fantastic experience and you can walk away from that saying i remember that and, and with final fantasy it had one of the biggest plot twists of all time when a major character was, was kind of killed off yeah. out of nowhere in number seven and you I still remember the moment that happened. It was just such a big plot twist. You're like, oh my goodness, I did not see that coming. <laughs> Why would you do that? And I still recall how that gripped me playing it. Um, music so, has a really strong part in Final Fantasy too, doesn't it? That's right. Very, I can still very hear deep the music. scores, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't played, I've only played two of them. Yeah. But yeah, well, they were it, very, very intense scores. And that was on Game Boy, you know, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. 64-bit music Game or the 12-bit <laughs> music. Well, that's it. it, can, and it can, it's, I suppose yeah. that any great work of art can really draw you in it. And any great yeah. work of art tells a story effectively. Yeah. So when it comes to, to children... Well, I, you, you'd, mm. hope, you'd hope it does, yes. Yeah, you, it's true. <laughs> sometimes Sorry, they do it poorly, but you can forgive some of it. <laughs> is, is it art, sometimes we ask? Um, yeah. I, when I think about children as well and the way things have been told, I, I hadn't um, picked up... For some reason, I had avoided it. Um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid at all. Um, so when I picked it up, I was surprised with the amount of illustrations. So when you when you talked about um, you know those those islands there, I was surprised by how it just kind of came to life really well. And well, I think he wasn't a reader as a kid. I think yeah. I think we know that about Jeff Kinney. Yep. So mm. so he operated from the perspective of kids who get bored with reading really quickly, yep. which is actually a really great place to come from. Brilliant. And clearly, it's been incredibly successful. So. Yep. Yeah. I, mean, I had you, almost the opposite experience with uh, mm. Andy Griffith. Yeah, right. <laughs> did you? His books, uh, the amount of pictures on every page. Oh, right. Like, it's got the, the solid text in the middle. The entire yeah. border is surrounded That's with right. images. Yeah, 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 yeah. And some of them are the little flip book ones. Yeah. So you've, <laughs> yep. you're trying to read this and you're like, hang on. <laughs> Not where was I reading? What am I doing? <laughs> it's really equal. It's almost equal billing for the mm. illustrator in yeah. that, yeah. In that in that Probably series. more so for Terry the illustrator, Denton, almost. It Andy Crisis and Terry, Grin, Terry Den, uh, Denton are yep. probably, yeah, yeah. you know, almost as famous as each other, yeah, although Andy Griffith's probably yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. Hand yeah. in hand, yeah. But yeah, that's, I don't know, that's almost like, it was almost like a parody on the mm. <laughs> pictures yeah. for the stories. Well, I can recall thinking about... You know about he was self-published, don't you? No, I had no idea. Really? Yeah, he, yes. He I, was, 
He was self-published. He used to walk. He used to walk around and sell his artwork as little magazines. And oh, I did and not know this. Just That's sort really of worked his way into yeah. a publishing house, and yep. the rest is history. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Mm. My goodness. Um, I'm thinking about the the rich illustration piece, and another story that kind of stood out to me. Um, and because you know, I, I grew up in the uh, generation where the internet was just kind of coming about. Um, there was a uh, we made the newspaper for writing an email to Jacques Chirac protesting. Uh, um, nuclear testing. We wrote an email and it made the paper. That's right. So that was the... Yeah, well that was done. The, thank you. That was the yeah. age that uh, I was when the internet, writing an email was right. still a big thing. Um, <laughs> and I recall though, uh, at about that same time we wrote that very famous email to Jacques Chirac, um, uh, discovering Graham Bass's The 11th Hour. Um, which is just amazing because it's a story that's um, that's told but actually the illustration is a key part of it because it's a mystery about you know uh, who stole the, the food at this animal birthday party you have to go back and figure out who it was right. yeah and it's just um, it for me it really captivated me because once you got to the end you got to go back through and find all the hidden uh, all the hidden mice in the story so there yeah. are all these mice yeah. everywhere and I remember thinking it was genius as an 11 year old it was fantastic mm. And it really caught my imagination. And not only did it, um, I guess, in a way, the the illustration enhanced the story to an was incredible degree. Was there text degree. in there, or is it all pictures? A, a very short text, so very just short, rhymes yeah. about things. Uh, you know, very short, but primarily driven by yeah. the um, the images. And uh, you know, really amazing to go back and see, and then kind of, I, I mean, if I was to pick it up today, because uh, I checked it out recently, and I still couldn't find all of the details in there. Yeah. And it it can really be key to. to drawing you in so would you say in terms of thinking about that's a story from my kind of childhood would you say the stories that you read Chrissy when you were growing up we talked yeah. about a couple of those A. Milne what is it about those do the, those are still stacking up for for children today so how do you bring children to that story with all the noise and distraction we get from from other mediums from the changes that have happened what is it that, that brings a child to that and still captivates them do you think well I think there's a really big place in schools for kids to have free reading time. I, yeah. I feel, because um, I do uh, casual relief teaching too, yeah. I feel a little sad for the kids that in classes whereby the academic stuff is so incredibly important mm. that they can't, the teachers feel like they can't allocate free reading time or time to read a book to the kids. Mm. I think there's so much learning that goes on and especially when the kids have free choice and free access to books. Yeah. So it's not like this punitive thing, you must sit down and you must read 30 pages. Mm. It becomes a joy for them to go and collect the books and I've definitely seen how that works when yeah. kids are allowed to do it. It's... It's something that definitely happened when I was younger and yep. it's sort of disappearing in the all the struggle that, you know, kids feel like they have to reach all these dot points in, yep. you know, in the curriculum and stuff. Mm. So that could be really, that could be nurtured very easily just by allocating a little more time. Mm. And, and also guiding kids, librarians yep. are, are mm. really good at guiding kids and introducing books to readers. Yep. So... I think the importance of librarians is probably mm. um, being being undervalued at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Um, uh, I'm going to forget the uh, the name of the tweet. Who mentioned that libraries are one of the few places in the world that still that don't want your money. Yeah. Um, which is what's fantastic about libraries. If we, if we lose libraries, if we lose them. We're losing an incredibly important part of our society, a place where anyone can go and have access yeah, to so much absolutely. knowledge and, and story. And yeah. I think for me, when I think about those stories, there's there's something about 
It sounds a bit deep to say the human condition. Maybe there's something really related about what these children go through in those stories um, that you can really love. I mean, I know my, my nieces have, have all read through um, Famous Five and Secret Seven. They gave those a... Hmm. Oh, well, they've actually been re-jacketed and re-released right. quite recently. I yep. think Hardy Grant Egmont do, do them. Yeah. Um, those books I'd, I have never really gone out of circulation. That yeah. I, they probably would have had to cull some, some stuff that wasn't yep. very PC. Yes. I'm not sure if they have, but there were a few things in there that you'd have to have a, take a second look at. But, yep. um, and I hope they haven't cut anything. No. Oh, they haven't? Yeah. I hope they haven't cut anything, yeah. Well, oh, it's, it's the yeah. argument, isn't it, about whether you should yeah. update uh, those things mm. in the story. I, I personally, I've always fallen on the on the side of um, it's good for us to, to acknowledge this is how things were. I think yeah. so too. And you can discuss it and you can say, them. look, this is yeah. how it was and that's, mm, yeah. that's People life. People spoke yeah. like that and they had those yeah. opinions. And exactly. Yeah. Mm. I know we, we, we've got um, we've also got a big book of Noddy uh, stories that was given to us as well. So Noddy was problematic. Not very problematic. What about I mean, the Gollywog. The, the Gollywogs, and especially the episode, the episode, the story uh, where the Gollywogs steal the car uh, from right. Noddy, and that scared the living daylights out of me as a child. <laughs> that's Terrible. pretty bad, isn't it? Oh, that's I don't know if they actually still publish that story. I think that's maybe so. I think that went. Yeah. The way of all things, yeah. um, which which I think we can we can acknowledge is not a bad thing. I did find it particularly frightening as well. Maybe you could completely uh, change this perspective on the story, but it was interesting. I did flick through some of those when I was back home with um, mum and dad one time, and it was yeah, it was interesting to me. I was like, okay, this is uh, I can you pick up some things, but there's still I guess the the illustrations also really draw you in and kind of um, take you to places. Do you think that that the the future of storytelling, Chrissy, is going to look different for young for young adults and children do you think it's going to be a, a different medium i mean i still think we're going to be reading books well <laughs> i have to say in junior and middle grade f- fiction is quite healthy it's quite a healthy yeah. industry at the moment mm-hmm. um young adult despite the fact that we have a lot of beautiful young adult writers um and we have a really quite a small market for young adult yeah yep. which is part of the reason that I've been, my last few series have been middle grade and junior fiction mm. um so we're losing readers at some point. Yeah. And I think once once the academic studies kick in for kids at 13, 12, yep. 13, 14 years old, mm. um, they sort of ditch the reading for pleasure. Mm-hmm. So that, that, the hugest challenge is to keep kids reading post-middle post grade. It's pretty mm. easy to get kids reading mm. um, junior middle grade fiction. Yeah. And it's incredibly easy to say to a class would you like to hear a picture book at whatever age yeah. and you you will see all the hands go up yes yeah. of course they do they love it mm. so so in a sense they're, they're already there they're, they're already there as an audience and willing it's mm. just bringing they just feel the, the pressure yeah. to them yeah they just feel the pressure and yeah probably there's some peer pressure as well like oh i'm reading a, a, like a, <laughs> a, a a book for pleasure i mean no 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 we're where are the smokers, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, people, the cool pe- factor comes yeah, yeah. in, for sure. People yeah. are also often... Uh, YouTube and um, those kind of time-sucking uh, mediums definitely play a big part in that as well because yeah. it's, mm. it's easy to get taken into, uh, especially with YouTube, you can start watching something and then half an hour later you realise, oh, my goodness, I just watch all those videos back-to-back. Yeah. Mm. And so that's, that is something that's completely different um, and not something that I can relate to. Um, I, I realise that my um, interaction with YouTube, looking up how to operate a steam train for a book or something, is very different from someone who goes on there and watches vloggers and kind of uh, becomes part of a following. Yeah. That's a really uh, different world. Do you think that there's there's a key that um, kind of keeps people going, those who do keep reading, or is it just that they're hardcore bookish people? Oh, 
I really struggle with that because mm. um, I come from a family of readers. Like my parents are big readers. I think most of my sisters are big readers. And as much as I read to my kids when they were little and tried to nurture their love of reading, I wasn't particularly successful. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, I, they would say that they read, they just don't read fiction. So, right. yep. but, you know, to, to me, that's, that's a little bit of a shame because I would like to share that love with them. But mm. Are they so reading really, statistics or um, more? They read, or? you know, they, they'll go online and read Reddit and, you know, oh, get themselves up to yeah, okay. that kind of reading. Yeah. But Reddit does have, I will say, one. thinking about different styles of writing and something I hadn't thought of, Reddit has one of the best uh, writing, uh, uh, writing um, portals on the internet in uh, r slash You mean like writing, a, like a fan fiction-y sort of thing? Or? No, writing prompts. Yeah. It writing is. Prompts. Okay. If, if you want to, to spend right. some good time, and I've, I've gone and written on a couple of them myself, um, basically people come up with really creative... It's a, it's a massive... I think there's maybe a million plus subscribers on there, mm. and people come up with writing prompts, and then people will right. write. So, okay. you know, maybe it's some, there'll always be a twist of some sort, and then people will come along and write a response to it. And out of that, people have actually written whole Just books. for fun. Just for fun. Yeah. Um, and there are actually people who are quite famous on Reddit for their responses to that. For me, I, I used to do it occasionally when I was... Um, I did a Reddit writing residency once over summer when I felt like taking a break. And a Reddit right. writing residency? Yeah, I just went on there and I said, okay, every day I'm going to find a thread and I'm going to choose one and, and write a response. Yeah. It's really, um, It's really interesting. And that's a, that's a mode of getting people reading, which you would just never have found. Hmm. It's a chance for people who don't normally write to get involved. It's for people who don't normally read because those, um, those threads will pop up in the middle of any person who's browsing Reddit in the middle of Well, you're accessing quite a big potential audience there too, so it makes sense. Mm. I, um, for for me personally, actually, Reddit with with my books um, has been the number one kind of driving factor when people have downloaded, when I've done free promotions, people have downloaded thousands of books based on Reddit simply just by being there um, and the the size of the community there. So, yeah, it's interesting that um, we talk about, uh, you know, I read but I don't read fiction. Is there, is there maybe a place, because people talk about the, the Harry Potter generation for the kids who grew up yeah. when Harry Potter came out. Yeah. Is, do, we, do we need something, I, I hate, not the next Harry Potter, because my goodness, I don't want to say that, but yeah. do we need a, a story series that captures people imagi- people's imaginations? I mean, that's kind of a phenomenon to me that's like once in, not even a generation, it's once in a few generations that that kind of thing happens. Oh, that's like the perfect storm, isn't it? The Harry it Potter experience. And how do you, obviously, I think most writers would... Um, sort of spend a lot of time fantasising about hitting the jackpot like that. Yeah. Mm. And all of us pro- probably have the same sort of passion that we put into our writing, but whether mm. it, it's, you know, it depends on the, does it hit the zeitgeist? Um, are kids communicating with each other? It, it's it's got to go sort of viral in the yes. kids' world yep. for it to work like that. Yeah. Um, when has it happened since then? Has it? Well, I the, the Hunger Games? Games? Yeah, Hunger Games. Yeah, the Hunger be... Games. Probably that's the only one I can think Twilight. of. Twilight. Twilight. Yeah, Twilight. Twilight for sure. Yeah, Fifty Twilight. Shades of Grey destroyed the market, but that was elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, that was elsewhere. Yes. Was elsewhere. Fifty Shades of Grey was adult. Yeah, market, yeah. Right? Well, no, I said <laughs> so. It's adult. I'm just thinking of the way that it, yeah. it changed yeah, that, that, the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it went. It really drove the from e-books. fan fiction to mm, crazy, yeah. crazy publishing. Well, yeah, yeah it, just, a, it changed the ebooks, like yeah. the whole ebook platform. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a. It's an interesting actually. You mentioned fanfic. Um, that is also another way in which things have changed for young people to mm. engage with um, with writing because they they read fanfic about whether it's a band. I mean, there's a huge One Direction, uh, you know, fanfic base. Mm. Um, right. People people just will write off whether it's uh, you know a celebrity of some sort or something. It's incredible that these things <laughs> exist, right? I had no idea. <laughs> it's like having it's like shrinking all these character all these people into little characters and then playing with them, isn't it? That's mm. it. Yeah. It's exactly like little models that you can manipulate. Kind of mm. like The Sims. It's a little bit scary. 
a little bit voodoo dollish. It is. <laughs> but these communities spring up and, and they're doing it, you know. Like it was um, it was a Twilight fanfic, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. That, that drove um, Fifty Shades. Yes, it was. Um, mm. And just this incredible thing that kind of comes up and... Uh, she wanted them to be more saucy. Yeah, well, certainly. So she certainly did that. Yep. I think there are three <laughs> versions of Harry Potter. You've got Harry Potter. Mm. You've got a... Russian rewrite that was like a satire of Harry Potter, yeah. which has a female character instead. Right. Really? Oh, yeah, I didn't know uh, Perigrotto, I think it was called. Right. Yeah, right. Okay. And then there was another one which is Polish, I believe. Really? Which was more of a ripoff of Harry Potter. <laughs> right. This is which is interesting. That, yeah, they, they got traction, kind of. Yeah. Thing. Oh, definitely the one right there, the uh, right. the satirey one. Definitely caught traction. Um, yeah. I remember again. I'll come back to Reddit. I remember reading someone who said that when the last Harry Potter book was coming out, they someone uh, directed them to a PDF, an early release version, uh, on a, on a dodgy website. So they they started reading it, and they're <laughs> like, "Oh wow, it's incredible!" And they're like. Oh geez, there's a lot more, you know, sex and violence in this than I expected. And they realised they weren't reading, <laughs> weren't reading the actual book. They were reading someone's take on it. Yeah, right. Just kind of scared me a bit. But oh, yeah, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Hey, Pride yeah, and Prejudice and Zombies. That's, a, right? that's another one. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. look, fanfic is another way, I suppose, in which in which young people can mm. can kind of own stories. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. guess for me that the biggest thing that that concerns yeah kind of concerns own. me about <laughs> it, yeah own. Mm. Um, <laughs> kind of concerns me about um, <laughs> storytelling if we lose that yeah. is that we know that storytelling uh, creates empathy mm. reading stories yes um, and that's I suppose probably the biggest thing for me about why it's important for people to read fiction mm. is because um, you know myself uh, as a straight white middle class male yeah. I have a certain perspective on the world Oh, I totally agree with you and I think that um, reading is one of the best ways into that and also I think there's some element of patience required in reading yeah. so that kids have to decide that they're going to in, enter other characters' heads. There's, there's yeah. something about perspective there that doesn't particularly flip into the other platforms as much, I don't mm. think. Yeah. But, you know, it's I'm, definitely I'm older, not as much so. in non-fiction at all. Like, non-fiction, yeah. you, don't, you, you might get some sympathy in there, but it's not as, it's mm. not, the empathy factor doesn't kick yeah. in. That's true because, say, for example, you were to read The Boy in the Striped Pajamas yeah. and you were going to read something about what happened in the, in the Holocaust, you're mm. going to have a totally different experience of kind of um, being taken into uh, the reality of what might have been happening. At, you can read about the reality, mm. yeah. but maybe there's a, there's a comprehension that comes from... Yeah, well, look, on a, on a much more plain level, I mm. guess, I, I was part of a series called Go Girl yeah. that, that actually has sold n nearly three million copies. There mm. were other authors in there as well. Yeah. But that was the um, real girls, real life real girls. Yeah. And so it was really about creating um, characters that just uh, lived very normal, everyday lives mm. and entering into their worlds and ha giving the kids yeah. access into different characters' worlds and having them sort of meet each other. And that obviously kind of hit the, hit the jackpot at some, at some point as well because kids, yeah. I still, um, when I go into classes, will sometimes reveal that I wrote some of the Go Girls. Yeah. And yeah. You know, I have 17-year-old girls swooning with that. <laughs> it's just, I can't believe it. That was yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. God, oh, my God. So, yeah. so it's, it's interesting. It, do, it doesn't have to be those big lofty stories. Yeah that sort of hit people in the heart and, yep. and mm. make them decide that they want to see other people's perspectives. It can just yep. be the small stories as well. Yep. I guess that's, that's uh, something that's, um, that you can do in, in uh, modern fiction. Yeah, it's surprising sometimes the things that you pick up as you, um, as you read a story. I guess I've been surprised when I've been moved by stories and the way they're written. Um, it, it can happen in TV in, in some ways, but then I, I think you're right. It's actually getting into someone's head. Yep. That can, and that's where fiction, you, you cannot 
really um well maybe maybe i'm speaking out of tune and saying that you can't do that in another medium oh well definitely oh you can't really do it in film i don't you, you, to a certain extent you can but you can't have the internal narrative going mm, that's the mm. difference isn't it not really yeah yeah that yeah. that thought about you know what's happening and I, I think about that when i read um science of the lambs and the way that um the the climax of that is done compared to the movie like the way that it, you you can get drawn into that but when you're actually in someone's head and, and all you can see is kind of well, you know the darkness of this basement and all you yeah. can see is this person's point of view yeah. that's very limited perspective which yeah. you could never quite produce you couldn't make it totally black in the cinema and kind of have it um you know interesting yeah uh, it's it's the way that it's done it did cross over very well though didn't it yeah, it did really well. yeah. yeah. Um, and anthony hopkins helped a lot he did yeah it's true <laughs> and um and i know there's actually a new thomas harris novel that's out now which i'm looking forward right. to reading but yeah the um my uh, when i when i read that i was just i was amazed by it but it, it I think that's the thing about how a story can grip you. Yeah. And I, I hope that it's something that we never lose um, for young people. So, I mean, do you, do you think, um, mm. Chrissy, just one last question as we kind of head towards the end. Yeah. Do you feel that your own style of storytelling has has changed over the years? Or do you feel like you're still, you still kind of follow generally where you started, you're still kind of holding to your I think I probably um, have kept my journey fairly steady because yeah. it's always been realistic fiction that interests me as a reader. Yes, right. And it's what I like to write. Yep. I, I very much uh, prefer uh, looking at character than plot, yep. plot to me is very secondary. Yeah, right. Um, I mm-hmm. could probably do a lot more work on plotting, but sure. to me it's all about character and internal lives and, and that's yeah. always been the most important to me. So I love writing that for kids. Yeah and having them recognise themselves and each other in those texts. So I, I guess it hasn't changed that much. Yeah. I, I do have, um, uh, like I'm just sort of cracking the whip at myself to try to be a bit stronger on the plot thing too because I mm. think I do rest a little bit on the character. Yeah. Because I love it so much and maybe I forget that the readers might want a little bit more plot. <laughs> yeah, but then, do, I mean, I suppose that for people who, who enjoy character driven, yeah. they're going to absolutely love that. Um, I, I'm, I'm too much the other way. I love plot love so plot. much. So I'm like, character, oh, that's yeah, interesting. we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. catch that up in there. It's going to be there. Right. But check out this twist. You wouldn't believe. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that's probably where I, I recognise my own weakness in that. You know, I kind of think... I, I, we'll try to do some transferring skills. There we go. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll work on that. We'll, we'll get that <laughs> yeah. across. Um, for me, I, I just... I, I always enjoy um, when a story... Any, any story can grip you, though. It's, it can be surprising yeah. what takes a hold of you. And, and for me, I suppose, the, the moment that always sticks in my mind from when I was a, a child was picking up... Um, uh, Homecoming by, I'm absolutely forgetting the author's name, um, in the US. It was just a book that was in this library. My mum was cleaning at the school and I picked it up and I couldn't put it down. And this is a story about, you know, uh, four young people who kind of have to make their way home after being abandoned by their mother. Right. And I'm forgetting the rest of the details of the story, but it just captured me. And, I, yeah. and it was so different from anything else I'd read because I, I love fantasy, I love science fiction, and here I was reading a real-life story that I just couldn't put down. Right. And it certainly, I think, it... it Gave me a lot, and it wasn't so story driven as it was about the characters. So, yeah, yeah it's it's an interesting mm. one. If you can have both, perfect. That's if you it. can manage it, you know. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, I do. Enjoy it does it. happen occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm. that's true. Um, mm. I just wanted to ask you one other question as well. Just thinking in, in terms of um, your your writing career, is there is there a moment that kind of sticks out to you? So you've been you know writing for children, young adults. Is there a moment that kind of sticks out for you that reminded you exactly why you started writing? Was there a moment that kind of, it felt to you like it reminded you or anything in particular that sticks out? Um, When I do school visits, I get quite a few of those moments. So I had one kid say to me, your books are the reason I read. That was pretty special. special. (laughs) I took that away. Then you have the funny moments too. So when I was writing the Penelope Perfect Mm. series, 
I had um, a kid say to me, are you going to make Penelope Perfect into a movie? And I said, yep. mm, I reckon a TV show, Pixar or something, like a series would yep. might be better. She said, yeah, do that. Do the Pixar thing. Yep. But could, please, can you make it on free to air because we don't have Foxtel. Oh. So it's just, just this <laughs> presumption of the power that they yes. think you have is is absolutely delightful. So yeah. I think to me, I get that I get a lot of joy out of interacting with the kids that I write for. Yeah. Totally. Yep. Is there, there's a power as well in an author turning up to a school to be able yeah, to... Yeah, just so that they can see you're real. Because they, they, you know, certainly when I was a kid, I never met an author. No. I, I thought they were mystical beasts. I certainly never thought they were real. So mm. so just to demystify that for them is is lovely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, well, look, it's about all we have time for, but yeah. thank you so much, um, Chrissy, for coming in. We've really enjoyed um, chetting with you. Um, maybe you could tell us where can people find you online and if, what have you got coming up? Um, I'm at chrissyperry.com and people can communicate with me through that website. Um, I have got... Uh, Quite a few school visits in book week and two days free still. Mm. So that's through Booked Out Agency or Greenleaf Press. Mm-hmm. And I have a series out at the moment with Scholastic Australia called Blabbermouth about a little girl who can't seem to stop talking and gets herself into some terrible <laughs> situations because of it. That's yeah. great. What have you got coming out? Oh, so I am, well, I'm currently between writing projects. So for me, I'm moving house. So that's all I'm thinking of, to be honest. Because uh, <laughs> he's <laughs> got a little boy. <laughs> I know, that's right. And geez, That makes it, it tough. Don't try and move house to the top yeah. of the folks. That's my life advice this week. Yeah. Um, but my agony aunt aside, um, look, I, I'm just, find me online um, at IH Laking. That's the easiest thing to do. Um, and I'll keep people informed on what's coming out. Um, and that's probably about me at the moment. Luke, anything coming up for you? Uh, sort of. I'm. <laughs> my website's kind of stagnated because I've just been busy. But um, yeah, you can still contact me through it. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the soulshard.com. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't really tweet, but I'm on Twitter. So at uh, the soul shard so there we go that's great yeah. you can find me there and well, <laughs> anything historical you. my, my pinned book that'll <laughs> that's be the good. last thing well thanks luke i appreciate it and thank you chrissy for being with us thanks for having me um appreciate your time and look forward no to talking with you next time everyone yes thank you bye bye